Welcome back to the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James. On today's show, on the phone, I have Joel Thornton. He's from Child and Parental Rights Campaign. Today's show is a topic show, which will be discussing such things as his trip to Israel, human trafficking, Roe versus Way, the pandemic, the elections, and also the red heifers and the end times. So stay tuned for a great show. We'll be back right after a short brief message from our sponsor. I would like to thank McLeod Painting Group of Vero Beach, Florida for sponsoring this week's show. They specialize in interior and exterior painting. They are licensed and insured with over 45 years of experience, expanding over three generations. Give them a call at 772-501-0324 and tell them that Kevin James sent you. Again, that number is 772-501-0324. Thanks for sticking around. If you'd like to know more about how to become a sponsor, please email me at kevinjames at themillenniumbee.com. And I will fill you in on how to become a sponsor. You can also go to our website at www.tmb2000.net or themillenniumbee.com. So let's get into uh, the message. But first, let's have a, a brief 60-second intro. Everybody, thanks for coming back and joining us to the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James, and on the phone today, I have a good friend of mine from Georgia. His name is Joel Thornton. Joel, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Kevin. It's always good to be with you. Yes, it is. You're you're probably a better expert at this than I am because you do that radio in Georgia, in Rome, right? That radio station. Yeah, I, I do a radio program every Friday morning. Every Friday morning. Yeah, you you've been doing that for a while. Probably seven or eight, nine years now, yeah. Wow. And, and I think, unfortunately, didn't I hear that the guy that was the person that does Yeah, the, the man that was hosting it, he, he fell down a little bit over a year ago and uh, and broke his neck and ended up not recovering from the accident. He died a couple of days later. Oh, wow. His son has taken over, so I'm doing it now with his son. Okay. Uh, who, there was a learning curve, but once he... Once he got over the learning curve, he started doing really well, and it's really coming around now. So cool! It's a lot of fun. They let me talk about anything I want to talk about. So I ran and <laughs> raved about politics and everything else. And it's a local program, so right. It's not syndicated. You, it's not streamed or anything. So well, isn't it? You can you can get it on 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 Facebook. You, yeah, you can watch it on Facebook. I'm saying the radio station isn't streamed, but oh, okay. Uh, so it's it's purely a local program. But yeah, we're we're worldwide on Facebook Live. Uh huh. That's cool. I know I catch it once in a while. <laughs> as busy as I am, it's hard to watch other podcasts. And no, isn't that the truth? It's like we have we're so busy, and and it's good that they give you the chance to talk about whatever you want to talk about because there's a lot of things going on today between wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famine <laughs> <laughs> and earthquakes and, and earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. And, we haven't had I don't, and politics seems to be causing most of them. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know the last episode we did I was on transgender, and I know I got a few comments from from people on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it, that's you know, hey, it's the time of life we're in right now. I mean, there's a lot of craziness going on. I always tell people I wish I could go to sleep and wake up 
um, like December 1st because uh, it's going to get uh, between now and, and actually it's almost a month, right? You know, what's, what's, yeah, it's less than a month to the elections now. The elections are November 8th. November 8th and today's October 11th. So a little less than a month. So, so by the time people are listening to this, this, uh, cause this is going to be a few weeks away before I'd be able to publish this one, but, um, the election will be over, but then the fun one really begins. Then we start for the, yeah. the presidential election. And that should be interesting. That's the good thing is that there's always another election, so you never have to get bored. <laughs> yeah, and I know we get tired of it. Even listen to the you know good stations that have the good news on. It's still it's like it drives you crazy. So uh, I quit listening to the news four or five years ago, and I've never looked back. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's really pleasant. where I work, I have to do every Wednesday and Thursday. I have to, not that they're bad, is I have to watch CBN News and, and you know edit their stuff for our local station. So, so right. I, which is not bad. But even some of the some of them, I don't like listening to. You know, but that's just me. You know, so let, let's talk about um uh, one of your trips you just got back to probably a month ago, maybe. Uh, you went to Israel. Tell me about a little your yeah. trip to Israel. Well. I took a I took a group of um I guess it was about twenty three, twenty two, twenty three people to Israel uh back in June. Okay. And um had a had a great time. It was hot. It's the first time I've been to Israel in the summertime. Oh wow. Uh, it was hot but it, it wasn't unbearable. I, I expected it to be a lot worse than it was. Uh, but it, you know, anytime you go to Israel it's always an amazing trip. I I went there in February with another with a pastor, mm-hmm. friend of mine. And a very prophetic pastor and uh, we had gone there because we felt like as we were setting up this human trafficking organization that God told us to go to Israel okay. and told us that if we got to Israel and, and we'd go to the sites that he that he really we really felt like he wanted us to go to, that um, he would give us some specific strategies and begin to lay out strategies for how to end human trafficking. So okay. we went and, and it was it was really that was in February. The weather was cooler. Um it was just a really, and it was more laid back. You know, I, I didn't have 20 people that I had to babysit all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so, which made it a little bit nicer. We were in a car, not on a bus. Okay. And it, so it was a little bit slower paced. You know, you're not, on a, on a regular tour, uh, when you're on a, a 10-day tour of Israel with a group of people, you, you're you just running and gunning all the time. And it's like there's no right. time. Sometimes you go, man, I could use a minute to think here. Right. But um, on this trip, we were able to do that and, and we were very strategic about where we went and what we did when we got there. We we spent a lot of time in praying. He would he put oil on my forehead and anointed me in about six different places with six different types of anointing, just kind of getting ready for this thing and trying to get me in the headspace and in the spirit space to be who I need to be to start really making a dent on human trafficking around the world. Now, are you doing anything in the United States right now? We're dealing with um, human trafficking? Yeah, we're we're working on uh, setting up a task force up in Nutstate, New York, uh, to fight human trafficking. Working with a local church up there, um, and that that we we tried to do this in a in a city down in Louisiana, and we were we were working through the government there. Mm-hmm. And it just the trouble with that is is while it's nice to have the government really engaged, the hard part is the, the officials at the top who are really excited about this aren't the guys who do the work. Right. And so they go, this is a great idea. We're going to run with this. Let's go. Let's go. And then they hand it off to their people, mm-hmm. all of whom have full-time jobs involving government work before you added the task force to it. And so it's hard uh, to get them to always be engaged at a level you need to, to be able to pull it off. So right. we're trying a different model up in New York. We're going to have the church being in charge of the task force and, and maintaining the task force. We'll work with the same people. We'll work with police departments, hospitals, EMTs, the taxi services, the bus services. Uh, there's not an airport there, so we won't be working with airport authority. Hotels, restaurants, truck stops, all of those different people to engage them and, and do a, unit, a community-wide fight against human trafficking. Okay. And the, the goal is to drive the human traffickers out of this area. Right. To just make it too costly to do business in this small town in upstate New York. Right. So that they go, let's let's just go around this. Let's reroute our trips somewhere else and avoid this place. We're not going to set up shop here. Yeah. And then just keep expanding that territory little by little as time goes on and as you get more proficient. So you're going from citywide to countywide, countywide to regionwide. 
regionwide to to all of upstate New York and then from all of upstate New York to all of New York. Mm-hmm. And so you, you kind of work it in stages that way. And it'll take years to do that. Right. Uh, but I think it's a model that's going to work a lot better just because we'll have people that have the ability to concentrate on what we're doing. Right. And it's not, you know, it's not something added into a 55 hour work week already. Mm-hmm. Now let's go a little bit about Roe versus Way and how that has affected you a little bit and your, what you do and stuff like that. So let's Yeah. Talk. Well, you know, you have the Dobbs decision that came out um, this summer mm-hmm. and, um, and set the world on fire. And it was it's, it, it's baffled me from the beginning that the people who are pro-abortion have acted like this was the end of the world and this is, this is the equivalent of nuclear war and this is terrible and now we're going to go back to the days of coat hanger abortions and, and a woman's health is no longer sacred and women aren't going to be able to get abortions in America. And the, the fact of the matter is what we've seen through this change in the abortion law, which all, all the court said was that this is not a constitutional issue. Right. And what that means in plain everyday layman's language is this is not an issue that involves the federal government. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it can't be regulated. It can't be allowed. It doesn't mean that it's illegal to do abortions. It just means that the federal government shouldn't be determining what states are doing. This is a state's rights issue. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, most people don't understand that about our Constitution. The thing that was so amazing about the United States Constitution was that, one, it was a limitation on governmental power. But two, it was, it was a document that was created with the idea that we, the governed, are going to give our consent to the government on how they're going to govern us. And in the past, every government, and really every government since then, has been a government that's set up and determines what's best for people, and people have very little voice in it. Right. The thing that made the American Constitution so amazing is it gave people the voice, and, and it limited the power of government. So that the way it works is if it's not an enumerated power, mm-hmm. like for example, Congress has the power to tax. Right. And they're the only entity that can tax the, the entire country. So if they if they want to pass a law, it has to have something to do with something they have power in. So if they pass a law regarding taxes, they have the authority to do that because they have the authority to, to tax. Mm-hmm. And so the, the Supreme Court of the United States and the federal courts are supposed to do this as well. Look at a law that's passed by Congress, and the first question they ask is, did Congress have the, the authority to pass this law? Is this law within the federal government's authority? Mm-hmm. And what the Supreme Court finally said after 50 years is this was not in the federal government's authority. The, the federal government did not have the authority to, to limit this right to abortion or to open it wide open. Either way, mm-hmm. this is a state's issue, and we're going to send it back to the state. And that should have, I would have expected that. To, I was, frankly, I was, I was worried about it from a pro-life standpoint of, but this is going to create a mess for us because what's going to happen now is it's going to be extremely hard for us to to pass laws that limit abortion in a number of states. And you've already seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Jersey, California, New York, I think uh, Illinois have all passed very expansive abortion rights. In California, uh, you can have an abortion up until the minute of birth. Oh, wow. Which, you know, people don't think about that. That's barbaric. Right. You know, Kevin, one of the funniest things to me when this whole thing came out was you had the, the French President Macron complaining about how barbaric America was to, to do away with Roe versus Wade and how horrible this was. And yet France has laws that don't allow abortion after 22 weeks. Hmm. So the French law was already more restricted than the American law under Roe v. Wade. Wow. And he's calling us barbaric and taking away the rights of women and because we're actually giving women more rights than they had before in a number of states. Because under Roe v. Wade, partial birth abortion, which is that abortion right before birth, was illegal right. under the Supreme Court precedent. So now all of that's off the table. And you've got states that have already passed the laws in anticipation of this decision. Uh, they're getting ready for it. You're going to have, uh, you know, California is already talking about paying for the abortions of anybody that wants to come into the state and having scholarships where they'll pay your transportation costs, they'll pay your hotel costs, wow. they'll pay the cost of the abortion, they'll pay the recovery costs, they'll pay to get you home, all of that for abortions and provide them free of charge to people from all over the country. So the idea that a woman is not going to be able to get an abortion is just ludicrous. 
And this, but the one thing this did as well, Kevin, is it ended the idea that we really believe that abortion should be uh, safe and rare. Right. And because you know that was the that was the mantra. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton started you know chanting that uh, when she was running for president is you know we wanted to be rare and we wanted to be safe. But you know nobody likes abortion. But what we're seeing is that there's a whole part of this culture that worships abortion. I mean, you can watch it any day you want on the on social media. You can see people out there wow. just on the street screaming and cursing at people. How dare you try to control my body? And isn't it funny? We've just been through the COVID, uh, the whole COVID mess. Right. And isn't it funny that suddenly my body, my choice is back in vogue? <laughs> you know, when we were talking about immunization and, and getting a vaccine, it wasn't my body, my choice. It was you'll do what you're told. But now suddenly, now that we're back to abortion, it goes back to, well, it's my body, my choice. Right. Nobody has a right to tell me what to do medically, yet people lost their jobs for refusing to get vaccinated. <laughs> and that's how crazy the world we live in is now. We've thrown away logic. Mm-hmm. We've thrown away any type of intelligent discussion. And we've gone to the place of, if you're not saying what I want to hear, I don't want to hear you talk. You need to be quiet because you're offending me and you're hurting my feelings and I don't have to listen to you. And, and we've gone to that world, and a world where literally people believe that words are violence. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm thinking that it, the world's upside down. It, and it, it talks about that in Scripture, about, you know, the, the good is evil and evil is good, you know, and the, yep. the world sees it, you know. I mean, when you think about abortion and the common sense, the fact that it's, it's murder, but they don't look at it. Wait, it's my body. I have a choice. But doesn't the baby have a choice? I mean, you know. Well, their argument is that it's not a, it's not a life until sometime later, and that once it's a life, it's a different argument. Right. But you know that that argument just doesn't carry a lot of weight because we can now raise a baby in a test tube all the way uh, to birth. Wow! And so you know when when Roe versus Wade came out, the medicine was really backwards, and so the court literally created medical science to determine that you've always heard about the trimesters, mm-hmm. the first, second, or third trimester. Well, doctors never talked in trimesters until abortion came out. And, and the Roe court said that in the third trimester, you can ban abortions. Mm-hmm. In the second tri- trimester, you can limit abortions. And in the first trimester, you can't do anything about it. You've got to allow the first three months of, an, of a pregnancy, you've got to allow a woman to take the life of that baby anytime you want, for any reason, anywhere, anyhow. And that's been what's being carved out and carved away at it, frankly, I like the idea better of leaving Roe versus Wade intact and continuing to carve away at how long is too long. Right. Because you already had some states that were carving back to 18 weeks, 15 weeks. You know, after the after the Dobbs decision, Alabama just made it illegal. Oklahoma did the same thing. I made it illegal to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. They just said, we're not going to provide abortions at all. I think they've made some exceptions in, in Alabama, but not Oklahoma for the life of the mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the reality is you, you hear a lot about, well, what about the fallopian tube pregnancies? Uh, they call them something. Uh, there's a special term for them. What about all, you're just sentencing these women to death. But the reality is the medical and the scientific world do not consider that an abortion. Right. When you go in and correct that problem and you kill that, you kill that baby uh, in, the, in the tube because it can't survive there. And if it stays there, it will grow enough to kill the mother before the baby dies. And nobody's ever argued that there's a problem with doing that. But that's one of the things they try to make a big deal out of. Is, right. What are you here? What about rape and incest? Well, rape and incest are less than 1% of abortions. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of stories out there now about people who are the product of rape. Right. that are going, well, you don't think I'm worthy to live? And so, you know, there's arguments. And, and I, I saw... Recently, Ben Shapiro did a really good job at a debate where somebody was going, well, what about in the instance of rape? And he goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you'll grant to me that every other abortion is okay, we'll have a discussion about rape. And they go, no. No, we're not, I'm not willing to give up anything. And he goes, exactly. That's the point. This is a red herring. You're throwing this out to have an argument about something that doesn't matter and it's an insignificant part of this because it sounds like a good thing. Well, we're, we're concerned about the women that were raped. Mm-hmm. And we all are. Right. And I think the reality is nobody's going to be uh, prosecuted or denied an abortion if they've been raped because they're going to say, you know, that's a horrible situation. And we can understand why you wouldn't want to have to raise that child for the rest of its life. And as much as I disagree with that, I think the law would probably make some way for that. 
mm-hmm. but they're not willing to concede any steps of it. So my attitude is if you're not willing to concede anything, I'm not either. I want it all. Right. Now, some states, Texas is one of them. Uh, I think maybe Florida might be too. I'm not sure. Is the heartbeat law is, you know, we die yeah. the last heartbeat and we're born at the first heartbeat, you know? So yeah, uh, Texas. And those, that heartbeat is, is roughly considered uh, solid around, I think, 18 weeks, mm-hmm. 15 weeks, something like that. Georgia has a heartbeat law. Okay. And I think some of them have gone all the way down to six weeks. Okay. And, you know, the argument is, well, most mothers, most women don't even know they're pregnant at that point. And it's like, it's like, you know, part of this is, is we've got to get back to a place where people take responsibility for their actions. Right. Definitely. You know, there are very few people alive that don't understand how you get pregnant. Right. <laughs> and those people, you know, maybe there need to be some protections for people that are too stupid to understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, there are consequences to having sex. And there are consequences to having unprotected sex. Right. And I know that, you know, the birth control is not infallible and that the pill doesn't always work. Condoms don't always work. Right. But those, that's not what we're talking about. This industry isn't driven by the ones that didn't work. This industry is driven by people that use abortion as birth control. Right. And, and it's just in my mind, I'm sorry, I, I don't care how cold it sounds. That's just pure murder. I, listen. I call it Murder Incorporated on Facebook, and I, I label them oh, all yeah. the time on Facebook and Twitter is, oh, Murder Incorporated is not happy today. Well, because is, people are not letting them kill everybody the way they want to. Is the the excuse that they say it's not a baby yet, so they, they don't look at it as a human life? Because I think if they did, they would consider you know reconsider what they're doing is like they're, they're killing something. You know, they don't look... I don't, at, I don't think... I, I, don't, I don't think that's right, Kevin. No? I think... They're saying that. Right. I mean, you've heard them say it, and they look sincere when they say it, but I think they know. You think I don't that? think anybody's I don't think anybody's confused about this at this point. These people are so cold mm-hmm. and are so indifferent to human life that they think, and listen, a lot of this is coming out of the belief that the world is overpopulated. Right. You know, you've got two, you've got two billionaires that are at odds with each other right now. You've got Bill Gates. He thinks we need about a one fourth of the population of the earth needs to be alive, and the rest of them need to be gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk says, you know, we're about ten million people from having enough if we're going to colonize Mars. We're not even close to having enough people to start sending them to other planets. And so you've got this conflicting billionaires fight going on. But the reality is, a, a lot of people believe we live in a world that's overpopulated, and that there's there's going to be famine and drought and all that because of overpopulation. The reality is the world can, can hold a lot more people than we have on it now and still function very normally. Right. But some of, some of these people literally believe that we're doing the world and we're doing mankind a favor by killing these babies, and they don't care that they're babies. They just know that that sounds so cold that they won't say it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said I, I don't agree with that, because I think they really do know what they're saying. Yeah. But they also know that that just makes them sound cold and they lose any hope of, of winning over mm-hmm. any of this generation that can be swayed. Well, I'm thinking of now China has been doing it for a long time. They have population control. Don't they have a limit of two kids? That's it. in China. Yeah, they had one, they had a one child limit forever, forever. And I think they've, they've opened it up. I, th- I don't think they're enforcing any of it, but I think they opened it up to two children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, but again, it's a communist country. You'd expect them to want to control the people and to say, we just need so many people because, listen, the more people you get, the harder it is to control them. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a whole population in China that's building all these goods for the West. And imagine you're sitting in China building iPhones. You know what they do. Right. But you're not allowed to have one or you can't afford one uh, or the government doesn't deem you a person worthy of it. It gets harder and harder to control those people mm-hmm. and to keep them in line. So you want to keep those numbers down because it just makes policing your populations easier. Right. And there's other ways they control the people. I know like Russia, China, North Korea, they, they deal with the Internet. They, you know, that's one of the things they don't like about Musk with this new satellite system that he's putting up there is he wants everybody in the world to have Internet access and yeah. Governments don't want that because they can't control their people if they have outside world, you know, third world, second world, first world inf- influence. They No, it's much easier to control the people that are living in poverty if they don't know how bad their poverty is. Right. When you think about it, the hardest thing about living in America is 
you you really have to not be paying attention to understand how how rich some people are mm. and how nice the culture is. So if you're living in a in a very rundown area, what we would have called a ghetto when I was growing up right. or a slum, if you're living in in a place like that where you you don't have anything and you're just you're just barely scraping by, the problem is you know that four blocks over people are living the life of Riley. Mm-hmm. That they're just have they've got plenty to eat. They've got nice clothes. They've got nice cars. They've got nice houses. That would be hard. But if you live in in Southeast Asia and you don't have access to a television, you don't have access right. to the internet, you don't realize that there's anything different about life than what you're doing. You just assume everybody's living the life you're living. Right. And it, so it leads to a lot less animosity and a lot less a lot less wanting something you don't have. So it, it, you don't have. A, is nearly the problem with coveting because you don't know that there's something out there to covet. Right. I've heard many stories. People talked about like, you know, they, they tell their story. I said, I grew up poor and, you know, I didn't know any better. We were happy. We had, you know, we didn't have much, but we were happy and things went on. You know, they didn't have the televisions and the internet and all that kind of stuff to find out. Like you were saying, other people have more stuff and, and covet those things. Like I want that stuff. Yeah. Um, so they they grew up. They were fine. I mean, they might living in a, in a mobile home or a trailer or, or you know a rundown house, but they were together. They had food. And, you know. You know. Maybe not a lot of it, but to them, it was okay. You know, because that's how they. Well, grew. they didn't know. They didn't know any different. My dad tells. My dad tells the saddest story about when he was five years old and he wanted a cowboy shit. So complete with six shooters in a holster and a hat and a vest and a sheriff's badge and chaps and boots. And, and he was, he went all through the neighborhood telling all of his friends, it's what Santa Claus is going to bring me. And, and then he said, you know, and I got up Christmas morning, fully expecting to see it. And it wasn't there. And I'm, I'm like crying going, that's the most horrible Christmas story I've ever heard. And I said, well, well what did you do? He goes, well, I didn't do nothing. I went outside and played with everybody else. And I said, well, wasn't that hard? He goes, nope, nobody else got what they thought they were getting either. <laughs> That was the world we lived in. Nobody got nobody got nice stuff at Christmas. I mean, my mother talks about getting oranges for Christmas and maybe one little toy, and that you know that was Christmas to her. Right. Christmas to her is much more about the smell of oranges than it is about any gift or anything else. And that was normal. Right. And we live in a world so full of glut mm. that we don't even realize how glutted it is and how glutted we are. And, you know, everything is designed to make you want a nicer house, a nicer car. You know, I've got a I've got a nice car, but I don't have I don't have Bluetooth access to my radio, so I can't listen to my iPhone now. Wow. That's isn't that the world's worst? I've got a thousand dollar device in my hand uh, that I that I can do anything I want to anywhere in the world that works anywhere in the world. But isn't there a nicer one coming out next week? And you know, the 14's coming out. Shouldn't I be out trying to trade up for that and staying in debt to keep pumps? Yeah. I mean, that's the world we live in. I know. And I've, I've kind of got rid of that because, I mean, I used to buy an iPhone every couple of years. I, I could care less. I mean, my iPhone is good for another, probably another two years, you know, then I'll buy another one because it's, you know, because of technology changing and, and stuff like that. But I don't really care. You know, I mean. Well, now that they've quit throttling it and, and making it slower when it gets older so that you need to buy a new one yeah. so you can get back to the fast internet speeds. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I'll, I'll use mine until it doesn't function. Yeah. And then I go, ooh, I got to go find a phone because this one's not working suddenly, and I've got to have a phone because I do everything I do on my phone as far as oh, you yeah. know my communications. I text, I email, I talk to people on the phone. I, yeah, I still use a computer uh, for most you know most uh, internet stuff that I do, but right. I'm, I'm, my phone is my is my connection to the world wherever I am. I mean, I'm in Israel in June working on cases back in the United States on the phone. Right, it's a tool and on a computer going. Okay, here we are. I've got I've got to get this report back. I've got to I've got to rewrite this and send it back. I've got to edit this and send it back. I've got to check in on this. I've got to check these emails and respond to these people. And even though I'm seven hours ahead and and extremely busy from seven to seven every day, you still have to find time to do all that. So it's not all good stuff that's been created by this ability to never be out of touch. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I remember when Pages became popular and, and now cell phones and people you call people on cell phones and they don't answer and you go it's a cell phone it's supposed to be with you at all times but you know, yeah it, it isn't i mean i mean 
it's like in the new is the greatest. Like I'm looking right now on my screensaver to remind me what my my coach will look like. My bus. It's an old one. It's it's a two thousand. It's a two thousand. It's like twenty two. Yeah. By the time I get it, it'll be twenty three years old. I mean, I could go out and get one that's brand new. Well, if I could afford that, a brand new one is probably like five hundred thousand dollars. I'm spending. Yeah. I'm spending you know thirty thousand dollars on this thing. Hey, if it does the job, it does. I can do interviews with it. I can travel with it. Hey, great, you know. And if it doesn't, then I yeah. I can trade up and get a little better, better one. But right now, it's it's perfect, you know. It's I no, and that's exactly the right way to think about it. Instead of getting caught in the trap of I've got to have the one with all the bells and whistles on it, because you know you can get it and put the bells and whistles on it too, because a coach like that is made to last for forty or fifty years. Oh yeah, and then the the engine is a million mile, you know, it's a diesel pusher. So I mean, the thing is, is yeah. it's made to last a long time and. And, you know, some things aren't like I buy a computer, you know, I buy a computer and I, they say, why do you always have to buy the best computer? Well, because I'm going to own it for eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be five years old when I get it, <laughs> you know, because. Yeah. I, and I don't want to have it for a year and then have to trade it in because, because it quit working because it wasn't nice enough to function for a long period of time. Right. And, and you know, and so I, there's some things that I will spend the money on, but again, if I'm spending $4,000 on a laptop, but it's going to be eight eight years before Apple will stop updating this. So you get like nine years out of it from the time you buy. Mm-hmm. So you buy the most updated one because you know you're going to have it for a long time. I mean, years yep. ago, I used to buy a new PC every two years. Mm-hmm. But now it's a, it's a lot different. So, all right, let's, yep. let's move on to our next little fun topic. Now, we just... I mean, some people don't realize this. We just, we came out of a pandemic. Some people looking, walking around still think we are in one. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're still wearing masks and inside in and out and stuff like that. What's your take on that whole interesting two, almost like two and a half years of regulations and masks and, 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 um, um, shots and stuff like that. What's what's your take well, on that? You know, I never had a problem with the vaccine. Right. Um, in fact, I, I took three shots. I, I didn't take the fourth shot because I didn't feel like I needed it. Uh, like, I don't take the flu vaccine right now. I'm probably in five or ten years. I'll probably start taking the flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. But for now, I don't feel like I'm high enough risk to need it. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, the problem I had from the beginning was, was the government intrusion with the whole thing. I had a problem when Trump suspended liability for the pharmaceutical companies, right. if they would just develop it and say, well, we'll make it where you can't be sued because, you know, I want somebody holding their feet to the fire. I don't want to let the pharmaceutical companies lose. I trust them because they're in business to make money. Mm-hmm. I don't trust them because they're good people because they're not necessarily good. Some of them are probably great people. Right. And some of them are probably some of the biggest crooks and criminals ever born. And I don't know which ones are which. I don't know if there's one company that has all good people and one company has all bad people. Right. But I know that the, that the economics of you, you can't create a product that kills people and expect to be in business for long because at some point people are going to find out. So I don't, I don't get into all the conspiracy theories. I think the mistake that happened with the, with the COVID was that it was politicized in an effort to get rid of Donald Trump as president. Right. That's what the Democrats did with it. There's no question about that. You can you could sit there and with a straight face tell me you don't think that's true, and I'll just look at you and I'll walk away going, well, there's no point in talking to you because you don't have any clue what's really going on in the world. It was politicized, and the politicization of it got out of hand. Right. And yeah, they right. can't pull it. You know, they tried to pull it back, and they can't. I mean, California is still acting like we're in a full-blown pandemic. Right. And, and part of it was it was also used to control us, to push them to see how far Mm-hmm. How far will people go? How far can we go with people? And how far can we push this and people tolerate it? You know, they didn't tolerate it long around here. In Florida, they didn't tolerate it long. You know, in Georgia, they came out with a mask mandate and, and a bunch of people were just like, well, you can't tell me I have to wear a mask. And, you know, and, and they're going, well, we're going to make the police write tickets for you. And the police department said, we're not going to waste our time writing tickets for $50 tickets for people who aren't wearing masks out on a sidewalk. Right. I mean, there, there was so there was all the public pressure and all the peer pressure of well, you got to wear a mask. And and I, I was of the attitude: look, if a store wants me to wear a mask, I'll put on a mask and go in a store. Right. If the store doesn't require me to wear a mask, I probably won't wear a mask, but I'll pay attention to who's around me. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and I know people that would go, well, 
I went to a home Hobby Lobby and they said I had to wear a mask. And I said, well, you won't ever have my business again. I'm like, look, it's a private business. They're allowed to do what they want to. And if they right. think that's the safest way to go, I can live with it. And all that told me when people responded that way, and, and I don't know, I don't know where you come out on this, Kevin, so I hope I'm not offending you. Oh, but yeah. all that told me was that these people had been politicized and they, right. they were believing the rhetoric of, of either the right or the left. Mm-hmm. And they weren't making a common sense decision because I, early on, I'm looking at it going, they're not requiring us to wear specific masks. Right. They are try, They are saying you should wear an N95 because those are the best, but they're not saying we're mandating N95 masks. They're just going, we're mandating that you have something on your mouth. So I'm going out and seeing people in bandanas. Right. I remember that. I'm going out and seeing seeing people with surgical masks on, with hospital masks on. I'm watching people with masks and face shields and, and goggles on. I saw a lady get on a plane about a week, two weeks ago, and she got on a plane with a mask on and eye goggles. <laughs> like well, like worker goggles, like you were going to be working around sawdust or something, or you didn't want splinters go, having a chance of getting in your eyes. I mean, right. that kind of safety, not safety glasses, goggles that were held on with a strap. Oh, wow. And I'm going, God bless you. How paranoid can you get? Now, I'm sitting on the plane, and, and I got I got my, my throat got tickling, and I coughed. And the guy next to me suddenly pulls out a mask and puts it on because <laughs> I coughed one time. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, man. buddy, if, first of all, if, if, if that's all it takes to scare you, uh, you're in trouble because if I have COVID, you've already gotten it. By the time I coughed, if I've got it, you've already gotten it, if it can be passed that easily. But I, it, that's all it told me was even a lot of my friends were like, I'm quit shopping there because nobody's going to tell me I have to wear a mask. And I'm like, no, they're not telling you you have to. They're saying if you want to come in our store, wear a mask. It's like a store. Georgia's a, is a constitutional carry state and there's a guns everywhere state. And the law they passed was if you don't want in your establishment to have people come in carrying guns, you have to post a sign on the door saying no guns allowed inside. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people, well, I just want to go in there. And I'm like, well. And, you know, if I need to go in there, I'm going to go in there. I'm not going to be mad at somebody who is exercising his right, right. and his private property to control what I do. Mm, definitely. We, oh, I grew up on the ocean and the beach, and there was always signs that says, no shirt, no shoes, no service. I mean, it was, it was known that if you didn't have shirt and shoes on, you weren't coming into my store. That was their policy. You know, right. You know, I mean, that's the, what the story. And we can all get mad about it and go, how dare they tell me that I have to wear shoes. I'm a barefoot boy. I'm, right. I'm on the beach. <laughs> but they have a right to do that. And, and we need to quit making everything a confrontation. And, right. you know, I've heard the whole, you know, the whole, well, you know, if, if, if the bad guys know where no guns are allowed, that's where they're going to go. But my argument was, you know, at, at one time when this argument was heated up, there was a shooting in a Colorado movie theater mm. in the middle of a movie. Some guy opened up fire, and they were saying, boy, there needed to be three or four people in that building that, that had brought guns with them. They could have shut that down quickly. And I'm like, hell, you're in a dark movie theater. Somebody starts shooting. I start shooting at him. Now, which one of us are you going to shoot at if you're the third guy in this fight? Right. How do you know which one is the bad guy shooting and which one is the good guy? I mean, I said, that's just a, that's just a, a potential for mayhem right. in, a, yeah. in a situation like that. We, we quit. We've, we've so politicized our views on everything, we quit using any common, common sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. And and you can't have a common sense argument because I'm, I'm sitting in a cheeseburger Charlie's one day and a guy walks in, a greasy-looking guy with a, with a nasty white beater T-shirt on, a pair of nasty blue jeans, big old combat boots. And he's got a big old gun on his hip. And I looked at the guy I was with who was a very pro-guns-everywhere kind of guy. He was, he was really all behind the law. This was at a time... The law had just been passed. I said, man, look at that guy. And he goes, yeah. I said, that guy looks like one of the bad guys to me. Mm-hmm. How do I know that I want him to have a gun? He looks like the kind of guy that I'm worried about coming in here and shooting this place up. Right. I saw a guy in, in Sam's right after the law was passed. He had a six-shooter in an old leather holster on his hip like a cowboy. Oh, wow. And it, it had about an 18-inch barrel on it. I don't even know. I couldn't have pulled it out of the, out of the holster with my arm because my shoulder wouldn't work well enough to bring it out of the holster. Wow. I'm like, what does this guy expect? And I saw another guy one day in a, in a home Depot. He had a Glock on, on his right hip and he had two extra clips on his left hip. Wow. This guy was about 75 years old. And I'm thinking, you know, if I woke up this morning and I thought, 
I'm going to Home Depot today, but I better carry my gun. Oh, wait, I better carry a couple extra clips in case it gets really dicey out there. I think I would stay home if I was expecting that much action. Instead of, well, I'm loaded now. I got three clips. I can handle anything. I've, I mean, I know a lot of people that have concealed weapons, um, but you would never know it. I mean, only once yeah. I've ever seen it. But um, I was at the bagel king where uh, near our, our church and stuff like that. And a cop kind of came in. I think she was a detective or something like that. And she had it on her side, you know, like literally like a cop would have. But she was in street clothes. And I says, right. it reminds me of the old West days. I mean, I don't see me yeah. around here. I don't see anything like that. I don't, you know, not saying there isn't, but I just don't see it. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm not anti-gun. I grew up, my mother and father were anti, you know, they didn't want guns. Um, I always, I, sometimes I feel like you, you know, if you have a gun and you don't use it, but then someone takes it and then they use it, you put a gun in a situation that wasn't there at first. I mean, but that's my, I'm not against it. Well, listen, I've got, I've got four guns, mostly because my father gave away his guns. He went to live in an apartment complex where it was more difficult to have guns. And he went ahead and gave them all out to the kids and grandkids. Right. But I, you know, I, I, I've never, I don't feel comfortable around guns. I've been around guns my whole life. I've shot them. I've, them i've done everything with them mm-hmm. i've hunted with them and i've target practiced with them and i don't have a problem with that but i just don't i just don't see uh, i don't see the fascination with them yeah and i don't see i don't see the need uh, I, you know i don't understand why people get so out of hand you know I, one of the things that i tell people I always tell them, I said, look you, you go well you know we're a country that was raised on guns but guess what in dodge city kansas you couldn't carry a gun mm. in Tombstone, Arizona. You couldn't carry a gun. These old Wild West cities right. that were out of control. The first thing they did was they passed a law saying no weapons in town. You showed up in town. You went to the saloon. You gave up your guns, or you left town. Right. Because they knew that guns and alcohol, guns and drugs, <laughs> guns and angry people that can't control themselves aren't good. No, because yeah. don't mix. And we suddenly got to a place where it's like, well, you know, nobody's really that angry. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. Everybody I see seems angry. People are fussing about stuff all the time. Yeah. I'm driving down the road and someone saw, it does, it goes, blows through a yield sign and almost hits you and you beep your horn and they, they beep their horn and they give you the finger. I said, wait a minute, you just broke the law. You didn't yield. <laughs> But, yeah, you almost but, but you almost hurt me. Yeah, you you're mad. They're mad at you because you beeped at them. You know, I mean, it's how like, dare you tell me I'm not driving right? Yeah, I've been driving my whole life, and you don't know any more than I know it. I know. No, you're exactly right. There's a lot of angry people out there, and I'm not really comfortable with them having knowing that they've all got weapons. Frankly, I, I know it's it's this very interesting. So uh, it's funny. It, it's uh, my. Uh, thinking of a title for today's message while we're talking and stuff like that. It's, it's the things that you always say when you go to a house, you know, gathering for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. You never talk about sex, um, religion, <laughs> politics, and that's what we're all talking about today. We already talked about sex with sex trafficking. We talked about COVID, which is human, you know, dealing with the human body. And then let's get a little bit into the other fun subject of the time because we're getting into politics. What do you, yeah. what's your take on those kind of things that are happening? It's not as much now as it was two years ago, but in the sense of mm-hmm. elections and fraud and, you know, um, the, the, that movie that came out, what is it? Something hundred, 200 mules or eight, no, 2000 mules, yeah. mules, you know, and, and I never saw it. I, I talked to some people who didn't think that, who didn't think that Dinesh D'Souza does a good job uh, with his, with his, his, um, investigative journalism and I've never watched. I have people send me links. Listen, here's what I know. I know that the Georgia election, that Trump actually won Georgia in the presidential election. I know that for a fact. Okay. Because I've seen, I've seen a couple of the cases. A friend of mine filed a lawsuit that had that lawsuit been looked at and had he won that lawsuit, it would have turned the election over because there were only like 12 or 14,000 votes separating them in Georgia. Okay. And I, and I know Georgia, Georgia is not a blue state. Georgia is not close to blue. And I think we're going to find that out here in, in November this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't see Georgia as a blue state in a non-fraudulent election. So I know there were a lot of shenanigans that went on in Georgia. That doesn't overturn the national election. Right. 
I suspect that Arizona is just like Georgia because, again, it was a 12, 14,000 vote difference. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't overturn the election. I also suspect that there were shenanigans that went on in Michigan. Right. But again, those three states don't change the election. If there wasn't enough shenanigans going on in Pennsylvania to overturn, what was it, 250,000, 260,000 votes, I think. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't enough shenanigans going on to turn that election, then it doesn't matter because Trump had to get all four states. Right. Uh, and I, I know there were shenanigans that went on in all those states. I don't know if it rose to the level of changing the election. Yeah. And the whole argument that, you know, well, you need to give it up. Why are you complaining about that? Democrats don't ever complain about that. That's all Democrats have done. Al Gore claimed that he won the election. He filed lawsuits. And for years after that election in 2000, people would say publicly about George W. Bush, well, he's not even the legitimate president. He didn't win the election. Right. And they would say that out loud about it. Well, he didn't win a majority of the votes. Well, guess what? Bill Clinton didn't win a majority of the votes either. Right. He won the most votes, but he didn't win a majority. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the whole idea that when Hillary lost, they spent four years fighting Trump, claiming he stole the election and that wasn't true. And, they, you know, the Electoral College messed it all up and they shouldn't have allowed it. we got to change all that. And all they did for four years was fuss about the outcome of the election. Stacey Abrams, when she lost in, 20, um, in 2018, uh, in that in that election before the presidential election. She claimed that she won and that there was fraudulent voting, there was voter suppression in Georgia, and that she was the rightful governor of Georgia. Now she's saying, no, I never did that. And all these guys are saying, no, they never did it. Both sides play this game. Mm, yeah. The Democrats play for blood. The Republicans appear to be playing for Cracker Jack. <laughs> and because, you know, the Republicans all run to the hills, but the Democrats play for blood. Right. And they said, you know, they went after Trump and they're still going after Trump. And, and quite frankly, I've been telling people this the last couple of months. You know, I thought Trump was not going to run for president. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to just take a take a back seat and decide to be a kingmaker. But I don't know. But what they're leaving him no choice but to run, right? Because yeah. they're they keep they keep bringing all these charges against him. They keep bringing all these lawsuits. They're they're pretty well closing him in. To the only way he can settle this is to become president, right? And then grant himself a presidential pardon <laughs> so that they can't do it. I mean, that's that's the, the stupidness of this. It's crazy. Hey, look, you you want to get rid of Donald Trump, I can tell you how to do it. We can do it in about two weeks. Quit mentioning his name. Right. He's a narcissist, as are all presidents. Barack Obama, the, the, Barack Obama was the biggest narcissist I'd ever seen until Donald Trump became president. Right. That's one of the that's one of the things that that creates a person to believe they could be president. Right. Is they have this out of sense out of out of out of balance sense of who they are and what they're able to do. Because I I I'm I think I'm fairly confident in saying this. Kevin, I bet you don't think you could actually do the job of the president of the United States. Right. And I don't think I could and I'm a fairly accomplished human being. Right. I don't think you could. I don't think anybody can. I think it's a job that's beyond a human being. Mm-hmm. And for you to go, well, I, I think I could do that job. Just let me have at it. it it's like it, it's like a 12 year old kid going, well, bring on Michael Jordan. I'll play him in basketball. <laughs> I saw an interview with Jordan not long ago. He said, if, if the 1993 Bulls are one of those years that they won the, they won the threes in a row. Um, he said, if, if those Bulls were to play today's Lakers with um, with LeBron James, who do you think would win? And Jordan thought about it a minute. He said, I think we would win. And he said, how much do you think you'd win by? And he said, we win by two points. Mm-hmm. And the guy's going, really, you think it'd be that close? Why do you think it would be that close? And Jordan, with a straight face, said, well, my goodness, we're all 60 years old now. Right. I mean, that's how good those guys were. And for me as a 12 year old to go, well, I can compete with Jordan. He's nothing special is you'd laugh me out of the, out of the world. But for me to go, well, sure, I can run this country and this economy and, and, and keep everything together. Mm-hmm. First of all, the, the level of narcissism. So I, I think, I think if they quit talking about Trump, he would, he would kind of just fade away and wouldn't be, right. he would just go back to being a businessman, but they're bound and determined to keep him in the race. I, you know, on the other hand, you got DeSantis, who is going to be clearly positioned to make a run on a national level. Right. Because everybody in the country wishes Ron DeSantis was their president. 
he's a great guy. He's very bold. He's very outspoken, but he's not mean. Mm. No, Trump is mean. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and I, I liked it because he was mean to the right people. So it was always <laughs> kind of funny to me. Right. So, okay. Well, he's being mean, but he's being mean to Joe Biden. He's being mean to Hillary Clinton. He's being mean to people you know, like Chuck Schumer. Right. Uh, you know, Colin crying Chuck Schumer. And I'm like, it's about time somebody gave Chuck Schumer what he had coming. And so I didn't, I, you know, I didn't think it was very professional, but at the same time, I'm like, well, okay, I, I can get over it. If they, they don't like it, they can quit playing too, and they can quit poking back at him. Right. You don't get in a cage with a grizzly bear and poke the bear. Mm. <laughs> you get in a cage with a grizzly bear and try to make sure the bear doesn't know you're there. Right. And these guys got in the cage with the grizzly bear and started poking the bear, and then they're complaining when the bear bites them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you idiot, you're the one that poked the bear. You're the one that went after his kids. Yeah. You're the one that, you know, has accused oh. him of everything under the sun. And so, you know, I think there's going to be less shenanigans in this election in 2022. Um, just I know Georgia's laws are cleaner. Mm-hmm. We don't have drop boxes everywhere. Uh, we, we're not doing that. Oh, we got COVID, so we got to mail ballots to everybody whether they ask for them or not. Right. Uh, and that was just a recipe for disaster. Now, I suspect that in Pennsylvania, if you ever did an honest audit of the Pennsylvania election, you'd find out that there were two or 300 of votes at the minimum uh, that were cast inappropriately and illegally. I know in Georgia, there were twenty or 30,000 votes that were illegal votes because they didn't qualify under Georgia law to vote, but yet their votes counted. That was right. one of the lawsuits I saw. Yeah. And and I know that there were there were there were thousands of votes in in all in a bunch of states that only voted in the presidential election for Joe Biden and didn't vote in any other election at all. Right. They didn't do any down ballot vote, which some people do that, but you don't have thousands of people in in voting areas do that. Right. You have some people do it. it it's not it's not unusual. People go, I'm fed up with the whole mess, but I I don't want him for president, so I'm going to vote for him. But, and then for him to turn 85, 90, 95% for Joe Biden doesn't make any sense logically. So no, it, I don't think that level of shenanigans is going to go on in this next election, though. Now, are you talking about midterm elections? Yeah. yeah. The one's coming up here in, in less than a month. Right. And then we have the other one. We have the presidential election right after. And then you have the presidential. I, I don't think you'll have the shenanigans there either. But, uh, you know, it's it, that's going to be interesting because, you know, Biden is insisting he's going to run and. Quite frankly, I'm convinced that Joe Biden is in in the middle stages of dementia. Right, a lot of people. And I'm I'm a little surprised DeSantis didn't say something about it. DeSantis didn't say something about it in the in an interview he did this week because he was just with Biden, and he didn't say anything. He only had nice things to say. They they must be signing non disclosures. <laughs> I I was watching his interview when he when the president was speaking. I was watching. Uh... DeSantis, um, you know, his face. <laughs> so, yeah. He, he gets like almost like rolling his eyes like, oh, no, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah. you, know, he, you know, he could be a candidate for the next president. Um, there's another one that could be running. She's not sure yet is um, Hick, uh, Nikki. Is it Nikki? The, um, Nikki Haley. Nikki, yeah, Nikki Haley, the South Carolina girl. Yep. Yep. She, yeah. she possibly. I, I like her. Uh, yeah. I mean. I mean, I would vote for either one of them. I mean, I, I've seen how they conduct themselves, you know. Listen, what I tell people is I don't vote for Democrats on principle. Right. And I don't vote for a lot of Republicans on principle. But I, if I do vote, I vote for Republicans because at the end of the day, and this is what I try to tell people when they're when they're going on, well, I don't like what he says. I don't like what he's talking about. And I go, well, you, you can't judge a politician based on what they're telling you before an election. You judge them based on what they do. Right. And that was the trouble I had with Trump in the 2018 election or the 2016 election was I wasn't sure if he was, if he was being a politician and he was saying what we thought he thought we wanted to hear. Right. Or if he was sincere. It turns out he was sincere about it. Right. Or he was at least sincere about doing what he said he would do because he knew that was the way to win the hearts and minds of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may have all been for the wrong reasons, but he did what he said he was going to do. Right. DeSantis has done what he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden has not done what he said he was going to do. He's he's been he he's been very divisive. He's been mm-hmm. uh, he's he ran as a as a right of center almost candidate, and he's governed as a far left candidate, where it's mm-hmm. like you, you just can't get any more left and out of control, especially with the social engineering that's going on with 
all of the, the gender and the sexual orientation oh, stuff that's going on with the Title IX and, and all of that that's going on all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he, he did, didn't do what he told us he was going to do, but he was worse. So now to go back and go, well, he's saying he wants to do this, this, and this, and I believe him. Why would you believe anything this man says? Right. And that's not being mean. That's just saying, look at him. He, did, he told you he was going to do one thing, and he's done another. Right. And, you know, Joe Biden is a mean human being. He's not a nice person. Right. Now, he covers it all up in this nice jovial act. I met him once in Washington 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, full of profanity, but laughing and just kind of the, the, the nice uncle. And, you know, just like was your nice Uncle Joe, that it was oh, it's good to see Uncle Joe. He's always happy. Right. And you know, he's, he's never serious. But you watch him in those old videos with him and, and um, Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. And you see what a mean old man he is. And you see how how badly he treated him. Do you think that do you think that was BC? I mean I mean, before Christ, before, you know, him really getting to know the Lord. And no, I'm talking about Biden. Oh Biden. I thought you were talking about Trump. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, I you know, I think Trump is Trump has struggled with his Christianity. I I believe he is he I believe he's he's tried to have a sincere faith. Right. You know, as as with any narcissist, it's hard to because, you know, one of the things a narcissist can't do is put anybody, including Jesus, ahead of them. Uh, yeah. And it, it's just they're they're not capable of it and it's not something they have control over. But I you know, but yeah, I think some of that nastiness you heard about Trump in the election, like, well, you know, you gotta grab a warm man and right. they, this is what they want. I think all of that is is before he had a conversion. If he had some sort of conversion experience, there's no doubt about that. Right. And he's not converted enough to be uh, for anybody to feel comfortable with him sitting in your Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may be comfortable enough to sit in the Presbyterian church, <laughs> which is what he is, I think. He's probably not comfortable enough for people to let him sit in your Methodist church, or certainly not the Assemblies of God. Right. But, you know, he's, I think he had some level of, of faith that has occurred in his life since he became president, actually. Right. I think he had a revival of some sort. Well, God is always working in people's lives. All of us, you know, we're not, we're not the same people that we were 10 years ago. You know, I mean, we've changed. No, thank God for grace. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You know, I mean, you know, people change and stuff like that, but closing up here, because we've been talking, we've talked about everything, which is great. I knew that was going to happen. But um, one thing I want to ask you, maybe you know about it and heard about it. Have you heard about the um, red heifers? Yeah, I have. There's supposedly four red heifers in Israel, unblemished. They from Texas. They, I think they shipped over uh, five or so, or five or something like that, around that number. Yeah, uh, they're a year old. Uh, they need to be two years old, uh, with no spots or blemishes, no white hair, no black hair, uh, and then right. and then they say from that they can start, you know, using them as a sacrifice. They, they use it, you know, you probably know better than I do. Um, they use it to, um, you know, for the, for the instruments and stuff like that in the, in, in the, in the, uh, where the altar is in the temple and stuff like right. that. Right. Yeah. The Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. So that's interesting, you know, because <laughs> some guy, who, yeah. you know, found them in Texas. He, he did some research and tracked them down and then shipped them over to Israel. And, and then, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, they, they're a long way from, from, even being, even having serious talks about a, a third temple in Israel, and under under Judaic law, I don't think they can they can legitimately sacrifice those heifers unless they're sacrificing them in a temple mm-hmm. that's built on on the site of Solomon's temple and built under the same regulations that were given to Moses. So I think it's a little premature to be to be excited about the red heifers. And I'll be honest, I I get. I, I don't get very excited about end time prophecy, right? Because the one thing I know is that Jesus said nobody knows. He, he basically said, "I don't even know," right? And, and if Jesus don't know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not going to figure it out, right? Yeah. And I, you know, my attitude is is listen. I don't mind having these discussions with people, right? Uh, it's like having a flat earth discussion with some of your friends. <laughs> um, I'm happy to have that discussion. I don't believe it, and I don't mock people that believe it. Uh, but, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy to sit and spend hours talking about that as long as it doesn't get in the way of the reality of, of the fact that we need to be out being who we're called to be 
and bringing the change that we're called to bring to the world. Right. If it becomes what you build your life around, then I have a problem with it. But if you can, if you can be engaged in all this and have the discussions and yet still move on with life, then more power to you. Because I, listen, I know people that will tell you that the book of Revelations all happened in 70 A.D. when the right. temple was destroyed. And, and there are ways to look at the book and go, you know, that looks like it's pretty well describing what happened in 70 A.D. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not in that camp. I believe that. I believe that Revelation was written for this generation or the next generation, but also don't believe that we can't live our lives assuming that we're the last generation. Right. That's done more damage to more people than I know of. I had a, 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 my girlfriend in high school, her father had been part of a congregational holiness church, and he didn't go to college when he graduated from high school because his church believed that they were living in the last days and Jesus was coming back in the next 10 or 15 years. And there was no point in him furthering his education. He had to get married and have kids and start working. Mm. And he ended up going back to college as an adult with kids. And he said, it was just, he said, Joel, it's a miserable experience and I shouldn't have had to do it, but my church convinced me that it was the right thing to do. And I've, I've seen that kind of right. thing happen to people. And, and I just think you, you know, here's, here's, I, I belong to the Mario Murillo school of eschatology. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jesus is going to come back before if the, if the tribulation is going to occur before the rapture, during the rapture, or after the rapture. Mm-hmm. But I do know this. At some point, Jesus is going to break open the eastern sky. He's going to come on a white horse, and he, we're going to be raised up in the air to meet him. Right. And whether he comes to earth to establish a thousand-year kingdom, or he goes back to heaven, once I see Jesus, I'm not letting him out of my sight. Right. And nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're doing what we're called to do, I'm happy to have the discussions with people. But I know a lot of people that are, you know, that are just, they're just like totally engrossed in it and convinced that there's all this revolutionary stuff is about to happen. And if it happens, God God bless it. I'm happy for it to happen. I'm not going to do anything to stop it, but I'm not going to stop living life and doing the work. I Listen, I'm called to end human trafficking. Mm-hmm. I'm not right. going to stop doing that because I suddenly believe that in, in a, in a little while, Jesus is coming back, and it won't really matter because it matters to everybody that, that is not getting rescued today. Right. And if Jesus comes back in a year, it matters to those people for the next three hundred and sixty-five days. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's you know, let him come back, finding us busy doing his his, his bidding. You know, doing what he That's calls right. us to do, and you know, sitting instead of like you said, those people. Um, you, don't do anything. It's funny how he got married and had kids because he fires up. Why are you going to do that? <laughs> if Jesus is coming back tomorrow, why bother even getting married and having kids? You know, it's like, it's, yeah. Cause that's a long term too. No, I know. I mean, the whole thing was nonsensical, but yeah, that's how people think. That's how they react and that's how they control other people. But it's always stuck with me. I've always thought about that when people start talking about the end times and, and because clearly nobody knows because we've got, enough different theories that, that oh, are, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of people that are wrong right? because we've got a lot of competing theories out there mm-hmm. and, you know, about two thirds of the people are wrong <laughs> on this one. There's only one of three groups. It's either pre-trip, post-trip or mid-trip. Yeah. And, and only one of those groups is going to be right. <laughs> and so, you know, that's a, that's a lot of wrong people right. who are really sure that they're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know that I work with people that, you know, it's, you know, post mid, you know, you know, I don't know. I'm a type of person. I, I look through scriptures and, you know, a lot of times God has, has seen you through the fire, you know, helped you get, you know, get to the point, you know, go through it. And very rarely do I ever see him just taking you out before the fire. You know, it's, I, so it's, well, listen, if, if God, if God takes Americans out before the fire, uh, he's got a lot of martyrs who are going to be going, well, that's not very fair. We gave everything. Why didn't these people have to give everything to? Right. Yeah. And that's what I, I want to be one of those people of whom the world is not worthy. And uh, Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. And I want to be found working if I'm here when he comes. And if I go before he gets here, I want to get to him and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right. And I'm not going to get there by worrying about is the third temple about to be built or, or what about this or what about that? I'm going to get there by doing whatever he put me on this earth to do. Right. 
I always call it the good fireside chat, you know, just, just what if kind of, you know, throwing around conversation, you know, it's irrelevant, yeah. but, you know, you just talk about it, you know, you know, like planets and different other things, you know, just, you know, it's, I'll stay up till two or three in the morning having those discussions. I don't even think they're frivolous, but I'm, I'm not going to build my life around right. somebody's end time eschatology. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not to do that, but you know, it's just, it's just, way the world is right now it's just crazy i always say this in closing i um you know i know one thing i will see jesus in my lifetime whether he comes or i go it could be at the end of my yeah. life but i will see him so somewhere i'm gonna i'm gonna transform into his presence at some point some point either he's gonna come down yeah. and i'm gonna be there or i'm gonna go and i'm gonna meet him so i'm not worried about yeah. it because in my lifetime i will see jesus so that's right. That's, that's, I, I think I, that's a healthy approach to have. You know, that's all I know. So, well, Joel, I appreciate you taking the time and, and having this little fireside kind of conversation about multitasking of different things that were going on in your life and, and in the world. And I appreciate that. So thanks very much for being with me and being on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Yeah. And, and um, maybe I can convince Ron to tell you about when we go over there in Georgia to join us. <laughs> so, yeah, no, if, if, just keep me updated on those dates because yeah. I'll, I'll make it a point to get down there at least to have dinner with all you guys or something. Yeah, and they said if it's if it's later than February, we'll I'll take my bus, you know, so I'll, that'd be really Yeah, cool. that'd, that'd be nice. We can well sit fun. on your bus. And yeah. then even after that, sometime next year in 23, I will set some time up and I'll stop in your hometown and and you can come on in the bus and we can we can chat in person. Oh, that'll be perfect. I look forward to it, Kevin. Everybody, you've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I've been on the phone with Joel Thornton from Georgia. And I already said thank you, Joel, but thank you again. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a Millennium Beat production. Views and opinions of the guest are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat. I want to introduce you to a new program we are starting in 2023. Is a program where people can contribute, sponsor, or become a super sponsor to help support what we do at the Millennium Beat. We are also developing a partner program to help reach our goals of reaching people. More information will be on our website, where you can fill out a form to become a sponsor or partner and make payments directly to us from our website. Yeah.